We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Indiana, home of Pacers basketball. Miller for three, and he got it. Legends have been born. Miller retreats to the three-point line and hits again. Memories have been made. Caliburn, a deep three for the lead. Great basketball has been played. Nembhard away. Hits the three and the buzzer. In 49 states. It's just basketball. Flips it to the big fella, fake, shoots, and But this, this is Indiana. And you're listening to Setting the Pace. Let's go! Your go-to Pacers podcast. Setting the pace with Alex and Fachi. Alex and Fachi. Alex and Allison. Setting the pace with Alex and Fachi. Alex and Fachi. Alex and Allison. Setting the pace with Alex and Fachi. Alex and Fachi. Alex and Allison. Setting the pace with Alex and Fachi. Alex and Fachi. Alex and Allison. We got paces hooping. Let's talk stats. Hot takes. All fast. New topics. Updates. Three pointers. Fast breaks. We keep scoring. We don't need to stop. New episodes. Weekly drops. This your number one podcast, sweeping every team. We gon' need a mop. Setting like the pace with Alex and Fachi. Alex and Fachi. Alex and Allison. Setting the pace with Alex and Fachi. Alex and Fachi. Alex and Allison. Setting the pace with Alex and Fachi. Alex and Fachi. Alex and Allison. Setting the pace with Alex and Fachi. Alex and Fachi. Alex and Allison. Disgusting, disgraceful, embarrassing. Those are just three words to sum up this game. The Indiana Pacers lose 111 to 102 to the Charlotte. Freaking Hornets here to talk with me about this embarrassing, pitiful loss from your Indiana Pacers is Michael Fachi. Fachi, how's it going? I'm disgusted. I, I really am. I just feel like this Pacers team is limping to the all-star break. I, I know we just beat the Knicks, but it's just that classic fashion of this team was able to get up for, hey, we're going to Madison Square Garden. They didn't get up for going to Charlotte tonight. And it's one thing if you're going to not bring it on defense – but tonight, they just didn't show up on offense, which is something that you don't expect out of the Pacers. And I don't care that this Charlotte team looks retooled from the trade deadline. At the at the point, it's Charlotte, and you have to beat the teams that you are much better than. Indiana did not handle business tonight. Is this a different team than they played last time? It is. It is. There's Grant Williams on the team, Seth Curry, those players, Trey Mann, those three players. Davis I got to say, those, yeah, but the three that I mentioned at least played well tonight, and I don't want to make excuses because at the end of the day, 
we're a team that wants to be taken seriously by the elite in this league. This was the mm-hmm. second time all year Charlotte won back-to-back games. That says a lot about your opponent. Well, all, I'm just I just made that comment because I think Quinn Buckner literally said 50 plus times tonight on the broadcast. Well, this is a different Charlotte team than they were just a week ago. This is a different Charlotte team. I'm telling you, yeah. partner, they're different. I mean, when you're getting beat like this, and then you have to hear that commentary constantly over and over, it's very it's a very tough watch and a tough listen. I mean, usually I don't say much. I don't think Chris does a bad job calling the games. He's pretty down the sure. middle, just whatever. But man, Quinn Buckner, I think if there's anybody that is ready for the All Star break, uh. More than the Pacers, it's Quinn Buckner. This guy needs a break. It's been a long 50-plus game. So I'll I'll move on. It was just very frustrating tonight to listen to that, the entirety of the game. Like, come up with a different talking point. Like, talk about how the Hornets went small ball five and just completely obliterated the Pacers. Talk about how Grant Williams was just so good out there spreading the floor and really made it difficult for the Pacers to defend. Like, we know that the Pacers have struggled when teams have gone small against them. And we've seen that Rick Carlisle has been able to counter that by playing Siakam at the five and then going with Obi Toppin at the four. But he didn't do that. In fact, he went bigger at one point, had Siakam and Toppin playing out there together with Isaiah Jackson. You know, Turner had a really good start to this game. I thought he was going to really just have one of those monster miles games where you feel really good about it. But, you know, not trying to be too critical, but he kind of got exposed there a little bit towards the end just because... He's a little bit slow-footed trying to go out there and guard a Miles Bridges or a Grant Williams. Like They're going to take advantage of that, and I think the Pacers are kind of showing they're beatable if you play certain ways against them. And we can start there because there's a lot more I want to get into. But that, to me, was the big talking point. Is just like Pacers made this like 88 to 86, I believe it was, on a Nimhard turnaround jumper, or he tied it at 88, something like that. But They did. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then after that, they just got completely out, outplayed the entirety of the rest of the fourth quarter. It was embarrassing. It was. It felt like every time Indiana kind of went on a run, tied it up, uh, Charlotte would rattle off about six points or so and and then set the Pacers back. And it's frustrating because this game was neck and neck all game. And that's a problem because you really feel that you are head and shoulders above the Charlotte Hornets. And going into the fourth quarter, very close game, one-point game, and Indiana chooses to, to put up 22 points. In the fourth, I, it got to a point I didn't know if they would break 100 points. That's something that they had done in at least every game. It was it was on the line in, in this game. So uh, when you talk about Turner, I mean, Turner got off to that amazing start, scored 11 of the Pacers' first 13 points. He had 13 in the first quarter and kind of disappeared for a couple quarters. And I think that that was tough. I don't know if it's a combination of going away from him a little bit or maybe missed a couple shots, but I just felt that, you know, there was a couple of players, maybe or different groups that didn't show up in this game or couldn't show up at the same time. And I, I just felt like one of the major talking points tonight is the bench. Oh, And a big question is going to be, now, did the Pacers mess up trading Buddy Heald? Because there's a void right now off the bench in scoring. And let's just put it nicely, if that's what we want to do, Doug McDermott ain't filling it right now. 0-4 now, 0-5 as a pacer. Uh, there was not much that happened uh, for this bench. Just 18 total points. Alex, I mean, no one showed up, I'd say. No, I mean, the bench was awful, and they're really predictable now. I mean, let's just put it out there. No buddy heel, no floor spacing. Yeah, Doug McDermott's going out there running around the court. Like, there is floor spacing with him to a degree, but not the same level of floor spacing and shot-making ability of a buddy heel. Did they make a mistake in trading buddy heel? 
No, because there's other circumstances that we talked yes. about last episode. He requested a trade. He wanted to go to Philadelphia because they can pay him in the offseason. So they did right by Buddy Hill by trading him. Yeah, they could have hung on to him and let Philly sign him in the offseason, whatever. They could have done that. But, you know, they were trying to do the right thing. They got some extra picks for him instead of losing him for nothing. So whatever. It, it It's one of those things where we knew they were getting worse by trading him. Yes. Now, the problem is getting Doug McDermott is fine, but – this is two games in a row now that he's been here. He hasn't played in the second half. No. Rick Carlisle hasn't been able to trust him in the second half, and he got some really good looks he did. in that first half. I mean, really some nice corner threes, one up top, I believe, or on the on the side, and mm-hmm. he just missed it. So, but but he's not the point, he's not the talking point for me with the bench. It's Benedict Matherin. Yep. Benedict Matherin has been absolutely atrocious the last five games. Now he didn't play in one of those games because he was sick against the Rockets, but the numbers have just been awful, Fachi, and I tweeted it out here because I was really just like, what have the numbers been like? So let's just go back and look. Last Sunday against the Hornets when the Pacers won, I believe it was like 116-99 to 99 or 115-99, to 99, whatever it was. 115-99. Yeah, he had 14 points, 5 rebounds on 4-12 shooting. So not terrible, but not efficient. Was out that next Tuesday against the Rockets. Then against Golden State on Thursday, 11 points, 1 assist, 2 of 11 shooting. Against the Knicks on Saturday, just four points on two of six shooting. Against the Hornets tonight, zero points on zero of four shooting. So Benedict Matherin is going through a slump, and that is a problem when you trade Buddy Heald is all the scoring really it comes down to can McConnell create or can Matherin re- create. There's nobody else out there that can really do much, especially when you don't have Jalen Smith spreading the floor. So I just feel like at this point, yeah, it's only been two games of a sample size. I would feel much better with the Pacers developing Ben Shepard at this point than throwing Doug McDermott out there because at least you're getting some defense with Shepard and hopefully, you know, he can make some shots. He knows the offense a little bit better since he's been here long term. Maybe McDermott will figure things out after the All-Star break, but they this second unit, they're predictable and they're trying to figure out how to stagger the lineups a little bit to get more scoring out there, but I don't know, Fachi. I don't really see how they get better on the buyout market or free agent market, so... They're going to have to figure this one out. They have to figure it out from within. It's Matherin, 8 of 33 from the field during that stretch. Yeah. It's it's sub-25%. It's not going to cut it for any team. Um, it, It's been tough. I feel that if you're looking to rely on TJ McConnell to be your leading scorer off the bench game after game, I think you got a problem. Uh, I think McConnell does a lot of great things well, but you don't want to look to him to be the go-to scorer off the bench. McDermott, you wonder how how long that leash is going to be. It's just been two games, and I know it's easy to say, okay, well, let's not overreact, but I'm worried. I am worried because think about this. He could be playing a, a ton of minutes out there for San Antonio, a team that's at the bottom of the standings and you know not winning many games. But when you want to win games, well, you got to also be able to defend. You got to be a capable defender. If you can't be a capable defender, you better be knocking down shots. He's not doing either right now. Yeah. So. I think that that's tough. I think asking for Obi Toppin to be kind of the Obi Toppin that we saw from a couple months ago could be a little bit of a stretch. I think right now the Pacers, they, they got to figure this out. I'm with you. Ben Shepard plays three minutes this game, did not play last game against New York. I think that it's not a great sign for his minutes, but I think that they, they got to do something. But I don't believe that that is shaking up this starting lineup because it, it shouldn't have to be, well, you know what, we can't figure this out. Send Nimhar to the bench. That's not going to help because uh, I feel that while he does a lot of stuff well, you're not asking for him to give you 15 to 20. So it, it's just tough because this is another performance where Halliburton got off to a bit of a, sl- a slow start, struggled from the field, 
you know, five of 15, just 13 points, hit a big three pointer at one point uh, in the fourth quarter, but just, I thought for Halliburton, I, I don't know what it is, but he's another one of those players that while he can't really afford to miss games, um, you know, given his all NBA status, you almost feel like it would be beneficial to give him some rest. He played 34 minutes tonight and, and you really needed him. The minutes have drastically increased and uh, unfortunately tonight it didn't result in a win. I don't think you need to give Halliburton any more rest. I think he's fine. I mean, he's been resting for a while. He's not, to me, he doesn't look like himself, but what are they going to do without him? Like they can't afford to give him rest. And I think yeah. at this point, you just have to let him work through it. But I think they've done a very bad job of getting Siakam the basketball. Just 12 shots tonight, fourth in the starting lineup in terms of shots, and he was 8 of 12. He was shooting the ball very well. Like, I get it. Neesmith had some nice looks. Turner had some nice looks early on, but they need to figure out a way to get Siakam going because he has that mid-range game that nobody could really stop. And it's like, I felt like he was getting the ball in spurts, but not consistently. And I, and I want to see him get the ball more because – Look, no offense, but if Halliburton is still returning from this injury, like he's got to pick and choose a little bit better. 5 of 15 is not a good number. 33% from the field is not good. 33% from three is not good. So he obviously has to be better. Like this team only goes as great as Tyrese Halliburton plays. We know that. And so when Halliburton is kind of going through, not the motions, but when he's just not playing at 100%, right? We know that he's not fully healthy. There's been times like when he had that reverse dunk, it looked like, okay, He's back a little bit. He had some nice plays, and then all of a sudden, it's just like, you know, Charlotte plays some pretty stout defense, or they they make it a little more of a physical game because Cody Martin's a very physical defender. Brandon Miller, long, physical defender. Miles Bridges, you know, he's long and physical. Uh, even a guy like Grant Williams is a solid defender. So, you know, you can't count this team out. They're, they're a different team than they were a couple of weeks or a couple of days ago, but they're still a very beatable team. They, I mean... They, they won Very their beautiful. first game since making all these trades, but, like, come on. You can't allow Seth Curry to have 18 points and Grant Williams to have 21 points off the bench. That's inexcusable. I like Seth Curry. You've liked Seth Curry for the past oh, five years. I used to love that, man. That but, was the Seth Curry that I was crafting up in the trade machine for years. <laughs> and, and it's just he he caught fire at one point tonight. Yeah. You, just, you can't allow that kind of stuff to happen. So, for me, it's like get the ball to Siakam a little bit more. Let him have a little bit more of a of a role in the offense. Yeah, it's okay that Turner was going early, you know, but he cooled off after that. You know, I think he was four of four in the first quarter, something like that. Yeah. So then after that, he goes four of what am I trying to? I can't even do math here. Four of nine, four of nine. the rest of the game. Mm -hmm. Four of nine the rest of the game. So I just feel like at this point, you know, yeah, you got to pick and choose your spots. Like, but Turner, he needs to be the third or fourth option every single night. He doesn't need to be option number two or option number one even if the matchup favors that. I just feel like consistently, you know, you're not going to get great, you know, scoring from Miles almost every quarter on a consistent basis. We just haven't seen it enough this year. Like 22 points is pretty good for him, but he's like 17.5 around average this year. So mm -hmm. that's kind of what you're expecting. I just feel like Siakam was averaging 23 points before getting traded here. He needs to see the basketball a little bit more and get him in more spots to take advantage of the defense. He he really does. And I just think that that's kind of been the issue for a while. So I've always said, hey, look, he's got to be more aggressive. They got to get him the ball more. But it's just that's how it is. And, and it's just on a night like tonight, I just felt that Turner and Siakam got off to a hot start. They were efficient from the field and kind of kind of disappeared a little bit as time went on. I felt that they, they needed more shots. But one thing I want to point out that's interesting is, you know, the last couple of games, I, I felt that Indiana – 
First, they started to regress on, on the glass, and I thought they did a good job against the Knicks. Alex, tonight, you know who led us in rebounding? Tyrese Halliburton with six. Mm. That can't happen. I mean, this, yeah. this Indiana team got out-rebounded by 14 rebounds to Charlotte, and, and I just felt like it, you go across the board. I mean, so many guys on this Pacers team had two, three, maybe four rebounds. Uh, you know, Turner and Siakam had five each. It's just like the the effort on the glass, it can't be this inconsistent. There was a couple games ago, maybe it was a, a week or two ago, where it was like three or four Pacers had, like three Pacers had like eight rebounds each. And that was great to see. But on a night like tonight, it's just like, where was anybody? Two offensive rebounds. One of them was Tyrese Halliburton. I mean, it, I, I'm pretty sure the one that he got just kind of bounced and, and went to him. It wasn't like he crashed the glass by any means, but... It's just you got to have a better effort, you know. Especially when the threes aren't falling. Threes mm. were not falling tonight. So what are you going to do well? And I just felt like tonight there wasn't a lot that the Pacers did well. It, you know, you could try and say, hey, well, we we held Charlotte to 111. That's a good number. But when you score 102, it just kind of offsets. It just shows it was a sluggish game. That you know, I just felt like Indiana looked past the Charlotte Hornets tonight. That seemed evident. Yeah, it was a little bit of a rock fight, unfortunately. And it was like when the Pacers got the, the Euro step layup by Andrew Nimhard to end the first half and they went up by one point going into half, I said, okay, I'm not too worried right now. Let's just see what they can do to come out in the third quarter. And then the third quarter was a bunch of the same stuff again. So it was the Hornets outscoring the Pacers, 33 to 31 in that quarter. And then you go into the fourth and Indiana gives up 30 to Charlotte again and they only score 22. So you do a good job of holding them at 25 points or less the first two quarters and then allowing 30 points or more the last two, the defense just took a step back. And they allowed that small ball lineup, like I mentioned earlier, to really take advantage of them. And they just started making shots. You know, Seth Curry, I, I mentioned it, like he just got hot, he got going. It's just one of those things in this bench unit of the Pacers was just so bad. I mean, I, I'm not one to over talk about it, but, you know, we have seen how this bench has been a positive for the Pacers for the majority of the season. Like, I remember back, I think it was November, December, Tyrese Halliburton talking about, we have the best bench in the NBA. Well, come February, I don't think you feel the same way, especially after all the trades they've made. So, I mean, to me right now, where, where I'm standing out the Pacers, look, Bocci, they they traded away Bruce Brown and Buddy Heald, two guards that were veteran presence on this team. And what did they bring back in return? Pascal Siakam, a front court player that they needed, and Doug McDermott, another front court player that they don't need. So they've lost two guards that were in their rotation, taking up a, a chunk of the minutes, and they've given those minutes to who? More minutes to McConnell, more minutes to, to Nimhard now. And Matherin's probably playing about the same, and now McDermott's getting some of those minutes. So it's like, where are they going to find that balance at, and, and what are they going to do? Is Ben Shepard ready to take that step? No, he's not. So you could, I would rather him have those minutes than, than Doug McDermott, like I mentioned earlier, but where are they going to get these minutes from? Is there a guard out there on the buyout market or in the free agency land that could make sense for the Pacers to, to kind of fill that void of Buddy Heald? I, I don't necessarily see it right now. We'll talk about that on our episode tomorrow, but at this point right now, it's just a lot of, ugh. and it's not trying to overreact because the Pacers were good against the Knicks. They had a nice game there, but you know, you shouldn't have to get up for your opponent to have a good game plan. Like the inconsistency is of this team. These five losses, two to Charlotte, two to Portland and one to Washington could be the difference between the Pacers being the sixth seed 
or in the plane against Miami in April. So would you rather be in that situation where you're playing for the seventh spot and then probably have getting stuck if you lose that plane on the Celtics in round one or, you know, sitting here playing uh, the ball, uh, excuse me, the Milwaukee Bucks in a three, six series. I mean, these little games matter, even though it just seems like one of 82, that's five games now that could put you behind the eight ball a little bit. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time, there's Granger, offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. This There was something about this game that made me feel like, I don't want to say really sad, but just like down on this team because I know what the potential of this team is the potential the Pacers playing at their best we've heard many teams say that's a team you don't want to see in the playoffs but you talk about beat the Knicks yeah we did beat a very depleted Knicks team without you know numerous all-stars actually three three four starters between OG Hartenstein uh Julius Randle uh you know obviously yeah, exactly. I mean, just there were so many guys that were out for the Knicks. And I mean, even Brunson's hobbled. So it's just like, ah, it's tough. I'm happy that we got that win. But on a night like tonight, you just see this Pacers team could still lose to anybody. And that's the thing that's alarming because, you know, sometimes you just think that we've like made it over that hump and we're good to go. All right. Hey, you know what? Don't worry about this, man. I'm telling you, we're going to the playoffs. Hey, we could pull an upset. And then you get upset by Charlotte, and it just has you go, wow, you know what, I, I I just don't know. And I know that, obviously, in my mind, or the way I'm looking at it, is I just feel that this team is almost kind of counting down. You know, hey, you know, we got one more game left, one more game before the All-Star break, you know what, we get some nice needed rest, you know, maybe a little bit of a, a trip. You know, I know there's going to be a lot of the players are local, but I, I think everybody's head needs to 100% be in it. And that's why sometimes the NBA is really challenging to get up for 82 games. And right now, I'm worried how this team's going to handle Toronto. I really am because if you're worried, if you're kind of looking ahead in this game, you still have one more, 
What happens when Charlotte is the last thing stopping you from some time off? A couple things just to push back because I know we're kind of like push. we're we're killing them a little bit here tonight. We but are. I don't like you it. got you got to think about it. They probably overlooked this team because they just beat them pretty handily. Didn't have to put up much effort. It was kind of one of those games where it was like a get right game against a team that was really struggling. So they definitely overlooked the Hornets, in my opinion. Number two, this team has done a great job of bouncing back after a bad loss. So I don't think they want to go out to the all-star break on another loss. Like even if Toronto beats them and they beat them just by outplaying them, like whatever. But like, I think Toronto got beat tonight by San Antonio or they're getting beat by San Antonio or whatever. I don't even know if they're playing San Antonio. I think they are. Wimbledon. They are. They're, they're losing by 20. They lost by 23. So okay, that's what that, I that thought. Wimbenyama had a triple double with 10 blocks. Like, you know, so I wasn't paying attention to any of that game. I'm just kind of seeing the updates on, on social media from Wimby as I'm ta- as I'm watching the Pacer game. So excuse me for not knowing there. But okay, so Toronto is not a great team. You obviously have the emotional aspect of it with Pascal Siakam having his first game back in Toronto. How will that play a factor? I'm sure the guys will want to get that big one for them. Matherin always does pretty well in Canada. Same for Nimhart. So maybe a get-right game for Matherin after struggling the last four-plus games that he's played. So that, to me, all makes sense. But, you know, I, I also just kind of wonder, maybe we're overlooking it a little bit, but this is the day after the Super Bowl. Any bit of a hangover there from these guys maybe partying late last night, watching the game, hanging out with friends before they go to this game, and then just not taking this game seriously? Anything's possible. It is. I mean, I didn't do any partying last night, but, you know, I stayed up a little late. I was a little tired for work this morning, you know. Yeah. It could have happened with the Pacers. I know that I know players like to get a little pregame nap in. Maybe they skipped that. I don't know what it is. They were on the road, but at the same point, I just feel that um, this is one that slipped away. This is one that slipped away. And I know we all got ahead of ourselves. And we, you and I on the show, we looked at it. We said this could legitimately be a three-game winning streak. Going into the all shot break, and I, I tweeted out, you can't have a three-game winning streak if you don't beat Charlotte. So we got to handle business tonight, and, and we didn't. And you know what? Hey, it, it is upsetting. I, I think that you start to look at, you know, a Charlotte team that wanted to make some changes at the deadline. That the changes that they made, I think, were positive. I think that they, they, they brought in some guys that could be here, you know, for the next few years, and a Trey Mann or, or a Grant Williams, and. You know what? Shout out to them. They did play well. Seven Hornets scored in double figures mm-hmm. tonight, but I don't know. This is one where Jalen Smith, I'm not going to say that Jalen Smith could have made the difference in this game, but I do think that Jalen would have helped on the glass in a game where, you know, you had tweeted out the Pacers weren't great from the free throw line. They went 10 of 16. They've been bad the last but, two games. Yeah. It's just, I don't know what it is. I mean, Neesmith, four of seven from the line. Like, I mean, four of seven. You can understand Isaiah Jackson going over two. I mean, it is what it is. But very few Pacers. Actually, Alex, only four Pacers even made a trip to the free throw line tonight. Halliburton, not a free throw attempt. Yeah. I mean, I don't know. Like I said, I know he's not 100%, but you look forward to him getting 100%. That man's got a busy weekend ahead of him. for all That that guy is not getting rest. (laughs) <laughs> between the three-point contest, the skills challenge, the actual all-star game, and I know he's got a ton of events going on in between. So it's just like, whew, things ain't going to get easier for, for Tyrese Halliburton, but um, I, I just want to get back on track, get some momentum, 
take down Toronto. I do think that one game, I know they say one game can't hurt you, but one game can help you. And a little bit of momentum, I think, would go a long way for this Pacers team. Yeah, I mean, they definitely need to get this right. And we'll talk more about that Raptors game here uh, tomorrow on the episode after we kind of share some of our buyout candidates. We'll talk about that game as well. But yeah, overall, I'm not trying to overreact. I'm just giving you some of my thoughts. I just think that this bench, number one, is going to become very predictable to guard. You know, there was always that element of like, what can they do when you had an extra player in there like a Buddy Hill? And then you had a little bit more flexibility. You know, if he's not playing well, you can go with this lineup. Or if McConnell's not playing well, you can go with maybe uh, Nemhard at the backup point guard. And just they don't really have a lot of opportunity to be versatile now with the changes that they've made. So, you know, they made a step forward by getting past Gossiakam. Then they took a step back by trading Bruce Brown and Buddy Hill and doing so. So there's pros and cons to this. They definitely expect these young guards to step up. And, you know, there's going to be a stretch of games here where Matherin has a really nice streak of like 16, 18 points a game. And you're feeling, okay, maybe Matherin's getting back on track. So it's not like it's the end of the world. The sky is falling, that type of thing. But, you know, that's the problem when you are built like this is you have to rely so heavily on Matherin to be great almost every night. And, you know, you expect greatness from Tyrese Halliburton every night, Pascal Siakam, you know, you expect those two guys to bring the goods every night. You expect Neesmith and Nimhart to bring the defensive edge every night. You expect Turner to block a few shots and, and chip in some points, maybe hit a three or two. Like your, your expectations for Turner are not super high, but they're like, we just need you to be a good average center. So expectations for Matherin though are like, you're our sixth man. You're a capable starter. We need you to average 16 to 18 a game. And when he doesn't, and he's averaging like four points or seven points or whatever it is over this stretch, that puts you in a bind offensively. And now your scoring mostly has to come from McConnell. And we already know his limitations because he is a mid-range scorer that shoots a little baseline fadeaways most of the time. So, you know, and, and when he's hot, he's hot. Like he was hot against the Knicks and it was a big difference. Isaiah Jackson was good against the Knicks. But you're right, not having Jalen Smith adding some versatility to that lineup did hurt, you know, this team. And when when Matherin's not shooting well, when McDermott can't knock anything down, and then you already have two non-shooters and Jackson and McConnell out there, top and going two of four is like your only saving grace. So it's just to me like, I don't know. I don't know what the solution is here, but I do think that, and this is going to sound crazy because I've, I've not really got into it too much, but it just kind of makes you wonder like, could Jairus Walker at the three maybe add a little bit more versatility to this offense with the second unit? I almost brought that up before because it's like in a performance where the team just looked sluggish. It just felt like they needed something. And I just feel like I know Jairus was out. It's not like he was available tonight. They had him out, you know, out on a, a G League assignment. And I just felt like he could have brought something. Yeah. You know, I mean, you can't say that it, the Pacers would have been worse on a night like tonight where no one had it off the bench. So I would I would have liked to have seen that. I think that was it. I don't know if it was Charlotte where Jarris Walker played uh, pretty decent earlier in the year. I don't think it was Charlotte. I don't know how to look at it. But the good news is the bench couldn't have played worse. And, and I do think that they could only play better moving forward. How many times is Matherin gonna you know go scoreless? I, not many. I, I really don't. I know he struggled, but scoreless to me feels like rock bottom. Yeah. And I really do feel that he will respond to this. I can't say the same for Doug McDermott. I really don't know right now, but those two combining, you know, to go 0 of 8, that feels like the worst case possible scenario. So mm -hmm. I think Matherin, I mean, do you think that toe injury is still lingering or do you think it's just, hey, you know what? Yeah, I'm sure he's not 
100%, but at the same point, that shot's just not falling. Could be a lot of things. I don't want to make excuses, though, and that's the thing. I, I don't want to make any excuses about these guys are tired, you know, blah, 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 blah. Like, okay, they might be, but what about the other 29 teams that have played about the same amount of Four. games? Aren't they tired, too? So Should be. shouldn't have any excuses. I think that it's just they didn't show up. You know, maybe Carlisle says I didn't have these guys ready, but to me, it's like I get so sick and tired of like, you know, him taking the blame, whatever. Like, that's fine if he wants to do that, wear that for the team. But like, to me, it's an effort thing. And that's where I just get a little frustrated. It's like this Pacers team, I feel like some of these guys feel like they've made it and they haven't made it yet. You know, it's like, well, we're playing pretty good. We're the sixth seed. We just beat the Knicks. You know, we're feeling ourselves a little bit. We're, we're really confident in who we can become. We've beat the Bucks four out of five times. We beat the Celtics a few different times. We would have maybe beat the Celtics three times had Halliburton been able to play. So they probably kind of getting up a little bit on themselves, feeling good. And then they get a nice humbling from the Hornets because, you know, teams like this, the Pacers have struggled with. They've got long defensive wings. And look at what look at what the Portland Trailblazers did. That's what they did too. Like I don't know. We we know this team needs a wing bad. Like I, I love Aaron Neesmith, but is he a long-term starting three? You would probably like a little more two-way play from a guy like Neesmith's so. position. Maybe Neesmith at the two makes more sense moving forward, get a real three in here. Uh, because watching he, Brandon Neesmith, Miller do what he does. Whew. Neesmith and, and Matherin, sorry to cut you off, would no, you're be good. phenomenal off the bench if you had someone better to start. Yeah. You know, compare And, and the, right now the Pacers just – they simply don't, and and I just feel that Neesmith. I mean, he played well. He really did. He he had like seven points in the first half. Finished with twenty two. Uh, so I mean, twenty one. So he had you know a, a real solid second half. But I just feel like once again, if you're really counting on Neesmith to put up twenty plus points per game, you got a problem. And and I and I, and I do feel that tonight. Hey, there, there's going to be guys that will give you a much better performance. You know, moving forward, I think this is – I would like to chalk this up as maybe the worst performance from the bench this year. There was one or two other ones that really do stand out. But, obviously, this is the shining, you know, department for the Pacers. And, you know, you talked about some of the moves they made. But look at some of the other depth that that, that has been lost on, on this year. I mean, even Daniel Tice was someone that, you know, never really got a shot and moved on. Jordan War was someone that maybe on a night like tonight, I'm not saying that he would have been a difference, but it's just – we had depth really was the, the Pacers' superpower. And a lot of that depth is is gone now. Mm. They still do have some of it, but it felt like for a while the best problem we had was that every position felt a little too deep. Yeah. Now I, I don't feel that that is the case. I do think this team is very talented, but they're not as consistently talented. Like You knew what you were getting out of Bruce Brown on a night in, night out. But he healed for the most part. You knew what you were getting. The rest, I feel like, you know, hey, you know, guys here and there. But Pacers also had opportunities at that trade deadline of guys that they waived. You know, so there there could have been a little bit of an opportunity. I don't think Marcus Morris is going to save the scene or a, a freaking cork moz. But those guys aren't too bad. But the Pacers elected to say, hey, you know what? We're all right. We're going to do without you <laughs> I mean, they're not too bad, but they got bought out. They got waves. So, I mean, I don't know how good they really are, but uh, yeah, yeah. I mean, Corkmoss lost his role with the with the seventy sixers. Marcus Morris is getting older, but it's almost like you need someone like a Marcus Morris that can come in there and just kind of like 
maybe this is like a couple of years ago, Marcus Morris, probably not like the more recent yeah, Marcus yeah. Morris, but kind of like just be that physical enforcer. Sometimes you need someone that can do that. And I don't feel like the Pacers have that guy. You know, I, I think James Johnson could be that guy, but he just doesn't see the court. You know, well, that's so it's just that's know. what I mean. Like someone that's actually yeah. going to impact the game. Like exactly. as much as people like go back and forth on how they feel about Patrick Beverly, this is somebody I've talked about a lot. Like just having that dog in him. Like Patrick Beverly is not you afraid to like confront people and get in their face and that kind of thing. And I don't know. Like watching Grant Williams tonight, I felt a little bit justified in terms of like feeling like someone like that could make some since on the Pacers just because he can play small ball five. He can shoot the three. All right. Like he's, he's very inconsistent. There's no doubt about it. And he was having a good game tonight. So it's like, it made me feel better because he played decent, but you know, just a little bit more of a defensive presence, someone that's actually been in big games before too. So I just, this Pacers team, you know, they're just, I don't know. They're, they're, they're very frustrating. That's what I'll say. That's the greatest way to sum this up is they're just a very frustrating team because they can beat the best of the best. But if you look at some of the losses they've had, they're one of the one of the teams that have had some of the worst losses in the entire NBA. I'm biased. I think we've had the worst. I think we have a collection of losing to the most bad teams this year. I don't have the stats in front of me to truly say that we've lost to, you know, more sub-500 teams than others. But I, I think of, like, not just sub-500, like, the bottom dwellers of the NBA, like the Washingtons, the Portlands, you know, the Charlottes, I mean, th- th- those teams, those are the true teams that struggle to win back-to-back games on the year. Indiana has struggled against some of those teams. Yeah. So, I got know, a stat for you here from Tony oh, yeah. East. Oh, yeah. Five yeah. NBA teams, Detroit, Charlotte, Portland, Washington, San Antonio, have a winning season percentage below 30% this season. The Pacers lead the NBA in losses against that group with five. There it is. Five teams have four losses that. to that group. And four of them are currently teams themselves, uh, Blazers, Hornets, Spurs, Pistons. Nets also have four losses to that group. Toronto is about to get their fourth defeat down big to the Spurs right now. Full list if anyone is curious. So the Pacers have the most losses against that group. Um, Other teams that have multiple losses, Detroit, San Antonio, Brooklyn, and Charlotte, as well as Portland have four. Toronto, Memphis, Phoenix, Washington have three. Sacramento, Houston, Atlanta, Boston, Minnesota have two to those groups. So, yeah, obviously, just playing down to your competition and, and overlooking your opponent when you're very beatable yourself is just not a good sign. That's probably the the last thing I want to be correct in, where it's like, oh, wow, yeah, turns out we do have the most losses against, you know, four teams. So I, I just think that that's, that's tough to hear, uh, but it's true. It, it really is. And, and that just shows that, hey, Indiana's come a long way, but they still got a long way to go while they do have an open roster spot which we'll get into next episode if you're thinking that someone's going to come through the door to save this Pacers team you are indeed wrong this is going to have to happen from a collective effort from top to bottom for the rest of the year I think that this all-star break could be coming at at the perfect time because I think the Pacers are kind of free falling a, a little bit I think that it took them a while to kind of fully get healthy and now they're kind of dragging along a little bit no one's like really a hundred percent healthy so I, I think that a break is probably much needed but before then like i've said let's get back on a winning track we do still have one opportunity to do that and i think it's going to be very important i'm happy that we're playing a team like toronto 
compared to, you know, one of the more elite teams in the NBA, because I know how that the vibe of this team would become if they're going on sort of a losing streak going into the all-star break. Well, if we want to just keep adding on and making it worse as we're talking about it tonight, the Philadelphia 76ers beat the Cleveland Cavaliers 123 to 121 and Buddy Hill 9 of 13 from the field, 5 of 8 from 3, 24 points, 8 assists, 4 rebounds. However, Fachi, he did lead the team in scoring with 24 points. He was a minus 2 in the game. So, that's you know. That's just <laughs> but, crazy. But still, Buddy Hill 36 minutes said. tonight. Yeah. And that's all I'm saying. Like you just missed that that extra player like that. And I'm not saying that Buddy Hill's going to average 24 a game. There's no doubt about that. But even if he just put up 14 in a yeah. game, you lose by what? We what we lose by tonight? Nine points again? Something like yeah, yeah, nine points. If he just has 14, like that's that's a major difference in the game. So him him instead of McDermott, I don't know. I mean, it. I wasn't happy about the trade when it happened. I was very like pessimistic about it. I was like, well, okay, whatever. We just got worse today. It makes more sense for the future. Like trying to be positive, but. You know, I don't know. To me, I I understand why they did it. We talked about it at the very beginning. Should they have done it? You know, they didn't really have a choice, I guess. But I think I'd rather, in my opinion, <laughs> have Buddy Hill for the playoffs, see where it gets you, and then figure things out in the offseason because who knows what could happen. That's all I'm going to say. I know, and we were always so quick to say you can't let an expiring contract walk for nothing. Oh, it just feels that, hey, you know what, maybe this is a learning experience to say, well, you know what, if there's no other alternative option, then maybe sometimes you do need to ride that out. And and I yeah. feel like right now we're seeing, and we hope that the Pacers bench can respond to this, but that bench looks very thin and very untrustworthy. It, it really does from, from a, a shot perspective. I mean, Doug McDermott right now, this this is not McBuckets. This is simply Doug McDermott. You know, you got to earn that McBuckets name again. You yeah. know, because you had it a couple of years ago in Indiana. This ain't the same guy. So, and and my expectations for for McDermott were never buddy expectations. It was like, no. okay, maybe McDermott will average like six to eight points with the Pacers. He'll be a good three point shooter. You know, whatever. Okay, hey, that, that's great. But the ball's got to go in at some point first. So I do wonder if we start to see a little bit more Ben Shepard and an uptick of minutes. And I don't want to say, you know, McDermott's minutes coming down. He's only played seven and eight minutes. It's not a lot of minutes, but we don't need more McDermott minutes at this time. Yeah, and um, I agree with that. I was going to say from McBuckets to McSuckett, he's been terrible. Oof, that's and um, just one more thing on the Pascal Siakam front. Remember last game against the Hornets? He was 11-20 for 25 points, 9 assists, 8 rebounds, almost had a triple-double. Yep, that's a good point. Got to give him the ball more. Got to go. He's a plus 30 in that game, Pachi. And I know it's a different Hornets team. Quinn Buckner reminded me a thousand times. But oh yeah, I'm just telling you, when you when you got a, a lot of wings you're playing against, a lot of guys like that, you got to take advantage of them, make them work on the other end. And I think that if they would have got Siakam the ball a little bit more in the post, let him work in the mid-range, especially in a grinded-out game like they were playing in, They've got to dip heavier into that, lean heavier into that, and not be so like dependent upon, oh, we got to pass the ball around and make open threes. No, sometimes you got to change the way you're playing up a little bit and, and figure things out. But uh, we've rambled enough about a bad loss, so let's go ahead and wrap this one up. Bachi, tell the people where they can find us at after hearing us cry about this loss for the past 35 minutes. Absolutely. So you can find us on Twitter at PacersPodSTP. You can find Alex on Twitter at AlexGoldenNBA. 
I can be found on Twitter at underscore F-A-C-C-I. You can find us on Instagram at PacersPodSTP. You can find us on Facebook at Setting the Pace. You can find us on TikTok at Setting the Pace. And Alex, tell them where they can check us out on YouTube. Yeah, you can find us on YouTube at YouTube.com slash Setting the Pace, a Pacers podcast. We can find all of our video content. Make sure, if you haven't already, subscribe to our channel. And please leave us a five-star rating interview wherever you get your podcast. Let us know that you've done that, and we will give you a shout-out on the pod. And have no fear, guys. We'll be back tomorrow with a lot of fun. Uh, topics here. We're going to talk about buyout candidates. Is there somebody out there that could maybe help bring this Pacers bench up from a D minus to a D? We'll talk about that. But with that being said, Fachi, if you're hoping the Pacers can get back on their winning ways against the Raptors before the All Star break, then please hit me with those three words. Let's go, Pacers! <laughs>